We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum live from the Blue Wire studio here in lovely Sin City, Las Vegas, at the win. Finally, I got my guy on the other end. I can't wait to get him into the studio, but I've had some people already reach out and be like, yo, what's good with Alan? Where Alan been at? And A-Double is here joining me and looking as fresh as ever. Let's go, baby. You got the sweater on. New sweaters dropping. Gold. New sweaters dropping at the end of, well, early November. So cheap plug. Alan, what's good, man? I miss you, bro. Oh, man. I miss you too, man. I'm so happy for you seeing all the pictures, all the posts. You're thriving out there. And uh, yeah, it's been a hectic September for me between Fashion Week and DR Wedding. But man, I'm back in full football force. Falcons for the first time in five years are pretty good. Uh, well, we'll see about that. The Giants, <laughs> hey, get ready to wake up 6.30 in the morning where you're at. It's just, it, it's been a cool season. And, man, we have a lot to talk about. Dude, so, quick story. I completely forgot about the London game. As uh, I usually do every time that this happens, I just forget. It's understandable. But over here, it's even worse. At least back home in New York, when I would forget the London game, I would have football at Casino Park with, with everyone. So everyone's like on their phone and looking at their fantasy team or the bets and people are talking about it. And I'm like, oh shit, there's a football game on now. But over here, dude, I woke up like in the third quarter of the Vikings game. And I was like, what the hell is going on? But uh, yeah, it's, Andy Dalton. yeah, it's it's been interesting how the games like the games end over here so early dude and it's just like yo you know i went to the gym sunday night after sunday night football because i was bored i just didn't know what to do with myself so you'll see man when you come out here it's pretty lit dude and i wanted to mention how uh you know you were you were busy with all the stuff that you were doing and, and you're doing some really cool things and i was just like yo let's just pick it back up in october man don't make it too difficult for you don't make it too difficult for me but we're back we're back breaking shit down and i'm excited 
Yes, for foreseeable future, we're here. And, uh, man, kind of a weak slate, but, hey, it's been an interesting season. Like, I know this week, it, it, I was looking at the slate, and I'm just like, oh, this is a bit tricky. Like, there's not much to get overly thrilled about, but I think we have more than enough action to digest from the first four weeks of the season. I do think that there are some banger of football games on. Like the games of the week that we're going to get to at the end of the show are really fascinating for many reasons. There's revenge factors. There's all these other things going on with matchups as well. So I'm fascinated by that. But I want to play a game with you, Alan, before we get into week five, previewing some of the games of the week. And I came up with this idea of stock up, stock down, right? And it's us talking about either a player or a team or a scenario, whatever it might be. And you determine, I determine, and we'll have the fans chime in. Hit us up on social media, at Veterans Minimum, everywhere you can find the show. VeteransMinimum.com is where you can find everything for the show, the most recent YouTube videos, the whole nine. And with this, what I want to do is stock up, stock down. I'll present something you tell me, and I would love to hear from the fans as well. So I'm going to lead off with one. Stock up Romeo Dobbs. I think he is improving every week. And you can see it in the box score, right? He has eight targets in back-to-back games. And Alan, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show, which he does uh, Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays, which is amazing. That's like my favorite. I don't really tune into much other content, but that's one that I try to make time to... Definitely check it out because Rogers is a fascinating individual for many reasons. But he talked about Dobbs. And the most promising thing I would say for Dobbs, and if you're a Packer fan, is the trust I think that Rogers has in him already. Because, dude, he went to him on that third down to win that game against the Patriots. And to me, dude, that was big. He could have went to Cobb. He could have went to... Uh, the tight end, he could have went to Lazard, but they dialed up max protection, uh, a, a deep bomb to Dobbs. And, you know, the it was very reminiscent of did Des catch it or not. And it was funny that they had Tony Romo on the call and Romo was like, yeah, it's a little difficult bringing that ball in. <laughs> but to me, dude, I really think Dobbs is going to be a problem, man. And we've seen it with these Packer wide receivers in the past, those guys that are later in the draft, they come out, and they're pretty productive. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be able to replicate what Adams did because no one can and no one will. But I do think that Dawes, man, the stock is up. Like, I already added him on my fantasy team, and I think he's going to be a problem moving forward, and it's he's only going to get better. Right. Yeah, and I just think earning that trust because of Rodgers, it's hard to earn that trust because he's just somebody that, you know, he's seen his fair share of receivers, and we know the Greenberg organization hasn't necessarily – provide him with much resources at the wide receiver position. So to get him, it was big because Rodgers was talking him up in August. So I think people had a feeling like he might be the one to emerge and not necessarily Christian Watson. And that was just like the complete package. I know Lazard has the most experience and he's probably, I think he's leading them in receiving yards, but I think that was more the complete package. Like he's a really good route runner. He creates more separation. I think as the season progresses, you'll see Rodgers target him potentially eight to 10 times a game. Yeah, he's already, like I said, back-to-back games, he has eight eight targets. And again, I think to me, especially if you're a young wide receiver, when your quarterback goes to you in big spots, that is where you understand the trust that that quarterback has with you. Like, dude, I know we talked about this in the past, but I'll never forget 
the Rams were playing in Baltimore and they were playing the Ravens, obviously, in Baltimore. But it was a fourth down play and they went to Odell on fourth down and he picked up the fourth down conversion on like a game-winning drive. T- to me, I, that yeah. was all I needed to know about Odell and him working out in L.A. Because it was still early and him coming to L.A. And the whole talking point was, oh, he's a, he's a locker room cancer. He left one team in shambles and all that. And that, to me, was when I realized Odell's going to be a problem with them. And then, as we saw, they go on to win the Super Bowl. So that was very eye-opening to me, seeing what happened with Dobbs. Give me one of your stock ups or stock downs. It could be whichever one. If you want to stick in the NFC, and this is a unit I've been raving about for years, but the 49ers defense, I don't think it's been a more dominant unit so far in the season. Like, what they're doing... Between, okay, they've had matches with Chicago, yeah, but, and Denver, I know their offense is stumbling, but they're just completely erasing teams. And they've had to deal with some injuries. Art Armstead hasn't been all the way healthy. Um, I know a couple of other core pieces, like, because that front four is always uh, changing. Like, they have a lot of pieces. But you see guys like Kevin Givens, uh, Delano, um, just a bunch of Ray of Town. Uh, oh, man, I'm like another dude. No style. Just they have so much different times. The 49ers, they always seem to be that team that's so injury prone. But their D-line goes so deep, and you're just seeing it week after week, generating that pressure. Like, Nick Bosa isn't as crazy as he's not one-man army, and D'Amico Ryan knows how to doubt that pressure. And I think one of the coolest things with the 49ers is I think the linebacker position gets forgotten about, and they have three linebackers that literally could play all three down. We know how special Fred Warner is, but Dean Greenlaw was a huge return. He barely played last year. And then they have Asha here, and it's just having these players, the range, the tackling ability, the field awareness, like, they're just flying all over the field. And now, you know, they have legit corners too. I think Traverius Ward has quietly been one of the best signings as well. Like you saw him Monday night just completely stifling Allen Robinson. I know it's been a lot of Allen Robinson slander, but at least, like, you look at the red zone, like, he's locked in. Like, they tried throwing a fade to Allen Robinson. Ward was all on that. And then the emergence of Ufanga, like, this is just a special unit. And year after year, they just consistently reload and they're ready to compete. And given the quarterback limitations of San Fran, they need his defense to be at the top of the league. And I think with this defense here, regardless of what Jimmy does, they're going to be in every game. And that makes them a Super Bowl contender, you know, along with this star power they have at the receiver and tight end position. Dude, you are absolutely right, man. Their defense. And it was interesting at first. I was like, damn, how's he talking about the Niners linebackers being a forgotten unit? But I get what you meant, right? And like Warner is so... <laughs> the position gets forgotten about. That's, that's that, was, that was the kind of point I was trying to make. Right. Right. But I, yeah. I think you're right, though. Like, they they have been injury-prone in the past, too. And they just seem to always just find these guys. Like, even when they had Patrick Willis and, and Bowman, remember they had that dude that retired from football after his rookie season from Wisconsin, the Chris linebacker? Chris Borland. Chris Borland. Yeah. I remember watching him in college. And granted, look, I'm not the biggest college football fan, but he was a guy that I even knew. And he was always making plays. And that his first year, some of those guys got hurt, and he stepped in and— it's just like they're entering that territory where if they draft a defensive player, no matter when they draft them, like that guy might be an issue, like a good issue. Like he's going to be a problem if he gets on the field. So I like that call on the Are they reaching that, the Steelers receiver territory? They, if they draft a defensive player like the Steelers draft receiver, just bank on it. He's going to be a star. Yeah, yeah, Steelers, yeah, for sure with the wide receivers. Uh, yo, stock up, dude. The Atlanta Falcons for me. Oh, here we go. I didn't get a chance last on the last episode. Uh, shout to Shane Jackson. 
I had him on. We, we've worked in the past together on some stuff. And we were talking about our quarterly awards. And I always like to base it off what my expectations were for a team coming into the year as opposed to what the talking points are, right? So, for example, I had Miami as a playoff team. I thought the Jaguars were going to be good. I had Philly winning the NFC. So those aren't surprises to me. What was a surprise has been Atlanta. And Atlanta, 4-0 against the spread, Allen, making a lot of people money if they're back in the Falcons. And, dude. That Rams game. <laughs> I'm going to defer to you on this one because you're the expert when it comes to the Falcons and you cover them and you're a fan of them. To me, they're fun, finally. Because it's been a while since yeah. they've been fun, dude. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a collection of obviously scheme because what Artisan is doing, like no team is running play action more than the Falcons. Like they're just so persistent way, like borderline almost 50% of the time. And I think they just understand their roster. Like the Falcons had such bad play callers at the college. And, and, and you know, Matt Ryan, I think, as we've seen, has been steadily on the decline. And you know, say what you want about Marcus Mariota, but he makes some gutsy plays. And just I think the personnel all fits properly. And, but now you have the running game, and then you use play action, and you have the t- the twin towers in London and Pitts. It's just a lot of dynamism with this team, and I think just having that coaching advantage because of what Arthur Smith does. Because like it seems you see right now in Tennessee, I know they've won a couple games, but like Tennessee, no one's fear in Tennessee. I think they're kind of reaping the effects of not having Arthur Smith. I think Arthur Smith is legitimately one of the top play callers in the league, and you're seeing it working with this team that's clearly in rebuild mode, but yet you know. They could be four and no, albeit probably should be three and one. You know, Saints classic Falcons that week one collapse. But you know, it's just it's it's just been fun. And I think they understand the roster. And it, there's gonna come a time where I think we will see a quarterback upgrade. I think think Ritter will play eventually. And who knows where the pass game will go because right now, you know, what they're doing is not quite sustainable, but oh man, you gotta love it. Especially with uh, you know, with Pitts, London and Cordell Patterson. I'll be at Patterson now out for a month. Dude, yeah, for sure. Like, they're just, they're fun. They're fun. They're interesting. Mm-hmm. They're keeping games close. They're not getting blown out. And I feel like that's the best kind of rebuild you could be in. That was another thing I was talking about like, with the Seahawks, right? Like, the Seahawks are competitive. Mm-hmm. They have all these assets that they've acquired in these trades that they've made. And they're fielding a pretty respectable team. It's, they're not going to go out there again throttled which is nice. And if you're a fan, it'll make it at least enjoyable for you to be watching some of these games. Uh, give me one of your stock ups, stock down. If I have to go there, stock up, it's a bit of a generic choice, but I just think some people are riding off the Chiefs and the Chiefs have arguably been the best team in the league so far. I know the Bills will take the crown for now, but I think when it comes to overall performances, you know, look, they should have beat Indianapolis. That game was just a couple of missteps, a couple of weird moments. Like, they completely dominated that Indianapolis game. But besides that, like, this offense is still humming. I think Andy Reid, just what he did against, uh, to me, a top three defense in Tampa Bay, like, they just, every play just seemed like they were hitting. And the way they're utilizing Travis Kelsey right now, a lot of people were concerned going into the year, Travis Kelsey, a year older, what's he going to do without Terry Kill? But the way they're moving him pre-snap, the way they're just getting clean looks, uh, Kelsey's still smooth as ever. You know, made Levante David look silly on that touchdown. Just I love the way they're utilizing Kelsey, and then you get Smith Schuster using him to his strengths in the intermediate short areas, you know, using all a couple of screens, ball scaling, finally getting him involved vertically. Pacheco's now getting uh, more snaps because of Edward Tolaire. As much as I tried to defend him in the past, he's just there's just too much inconsistency with him. So you got to limit his snaps. But you know, this Chiefs offense, they 
they're not missing a beat right now. For what they did against Tampa Bay, to me, was on the top performance of the season. I did not expect them to pretty much have a flawless performance. And then the defense, they just, just have to make timely plays. That's all they have to do is just don't allow 30 points, and they're probably going to win. So, you know, Coast to the Chiefs, they are clearly the class of AFC West, which I know we hyped up a lot. And it's been pretty disappointing you know, due to certain injuries and other circumstances. But the Chiefs, you know, they're going to be here come January, possibly February. Dude, looking back at it now, it's wild to think that you could have gotten plus money on them to win the division. Because, yeah, they were they were like plus 140, plus 130 in some places because you had the hype for the Broncos. You had the hype for the Chargers, which I, I bought up all that hype with the Chargers. And I'm still not – I haven't sold all my stock on the Chargers. I'm still holding on to tickets and whatnot, and I still think You're they're going to be – uh, yeah, it's like it's like I'm in the sharpshooter in the middle of the ring and I'm reaching for that bottom rope. Like, that's exactly what it kind of is with the Chargers because they're losing guys left and right. But with Kansas City, and I just put a post up on on uh, my Instagram and, and for the show, Mahomes to me right now, it's the revenge tour. And what I mean by that is people, like, like Roy Jones Jr. said, y'all must have forgot. Like, they must have forgotten, mm-hmm. man, because everyone's talking about Josh Allen and Herbert and Joe Burrow and all these Lamar. guys, Lamar, right? And it's like, dude, I'm I'm still 27 years old. I'm not 37, which, I mean, for quarterbacks now, they're probably playing until 47, the way things are going. But he's still a young dude, right? Like, I'd still take him to, if I'm building a franchise, if not first, I'm t- taking him in the top three. And he has 11 touchdowns to two interceptions. They're beating you in different ways than they did in years past. And they haven't missed a beat, dude. They put a 40 on Arizona, which, all right, Arizona's not exactly a juggernaut. But they put a 40 spot up on Tampa Bay, who we consider to be one of the classes of the NFC. And, yeah, that game they lost to the Colts, dude, it was a wacky game. Special teams, mishaps, missing chip shot field goals, Kelsey dropping a pass. Kelsey even went to social media and he was like, yo, my bad, everybody. It won't happen again. You know, hats off to the Colts. Like one of those like politically correct uh, responses and whatnot. And then they they came back against the Chargers in a division game in which the Chargers last year beat them in Kansas City. So, yeah, man, yeah. it was wild. Some of the takes about Kansas City. And I think the idea of not having Tyreek has, has been, it's been massive, right? But it hasn't hurt them. Like, him not being there hasn't really hurt him. Their offense changed. And then you see what he's doing in Miami also. I think everyone won in that deal. Like, Kansas City right. got they, all I mean, these. They want to invest them. They want to pay that contract. So, they made the best of it. And they're going to reload through the draft. So, works out. I do want to mention what Kansas City. Besides Philly, I think they have the best offense line in the league. I think between Tooney, Trey Smith, Humphrey, they're just moving people. And Orlando Brown's a bit of a liability pass protection-wise. But, like, you saw that running game. Like, Tampa Bay does not get bullied like that. And they manhandled them. I think they almost ran for 200 yards. So, wow, what a performance. And I just think the Chiefs, oh, I can't wait for that Bills game next week. Oh, dude, that game is going to be a banger. I can't wait. I can't wait for that one. The one. That, that's the one. That's definitely going to be the one for yeah. sure. Uh, my... My stock down, dude, and the more I think of it, the more I feel like this take is validated. It's it's the Lions, man. Ah, man. Am I being man. harsh before I get into my spiel? I mean, when you have the worst defense in the league, you're not being harsh. Like, we look, we got to take the love for Dan Campbell aside. Like, that defense is the worst in the league. They are abysmal at every level. Like, 
what they're what they're doing right now is just inexcusable. So they they deserve criticism. We know they're in a clear rebuild, but you can't defend their defensive showings. Dude, they're giving up monster games to dudes that are bona fide backups in the league, right? Like Geno Smith lit them up. Yeah. Offensive player of the week, Geno Smith. Yeah, yeah. You. Put some respect on his name. You're right. You're right. Carson Wentz, who he's he's been an abomination in Washington. He he played really well against them. Philly, I'll give him a pass on Philly, but also Philly jumped out to that monster lead in that game. And then you know, against Minnesota, they had Minnesota's number, but then they couldn't get a stop when they needed it too. They're they're down. That was the one respectful performance, right? But they're they're up ten in the fourth quarter, and you know that Kirk is the kind of quarterback. I mean, we've seen it all this time. You put a little pressure on him, and not even I'm talking about like pass rusher pressure and quarterback pressure. I'm talking about about like, dude, we got 15 minutes or we're losing this game, kind of pressure. He's gonna fold, and. It's just that they're just giving up monster games to everybody. And, yo, this week, they're playing New England in New England. It's going to be the first game that the Lions play outside of a dome. So, it's, you know, Cali boy Jared Goff. It might be a little shaky for them out there in New England. And I know it's not exactly sub-zero conditions yet, but I, I just think Detroit, man, like, they're cool. They're the hard knocks team. Everybody was betting them in the markets because it always happens. When you have a team on hard knocks, they're going to get way more action than they should. The Lions are still in a rebuild. They were plus 300 to make yeah. the playoffs. We're not exactly talking about a Chargers or, or, or the Ravens here. This is a team that they had the number two pick in the draft last year. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. But I also think the stock down is because they're very bad defensively. Yeah, and I know they're 31st in defensive span. Like, you look at the defense, other than Hutchinson and Okuda, like, there's not much star talent there. You don't look at any of those players and be like, oh, wow, he could be a blue-chip player. You know, both those guys are kind of banking on as their uh, franchise uh, core pieces. So, we'll see. I also want to mention when you, you talk about Lions, Patriots, the revenge game of no one cares, Matt Patricia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a nobody's feeling that revenge game for Matt Patricia. I who likes Matt Patricia? Man, I mean, who knows? Bill Belichick likes Matt Patricia. Yeah, because he gave him another job. Yeah, immediately. Uh give me give me your last one for this before we get into games of the week. Man, I'm I know we talked about Romeo Dawes before, but I'm really down to Packers. I just think a lot of just uninspiring performances. I think Rodgers has missed on a lot of throws. I think I saw stat 38% of his throws are behind the line of scrimmage. I thought pick six was on him. The Dobbs fumble was a poorly thrown ball. He just, he's not accurate right now. And I don't think Green Bay's having quite the success they thought they were going to have utilizing Dylan and Jones together. I think they're running the ball pretty well, but passing-wise, they're not getting those mismatches that you know, we saw in the past with Aaron Jones. And then defensively, I thought they were going to be one of the best defenses. But here they they just they just look kind of soft. I don't know if it's schematically, but it's just, Billy Zapp was getting some pretty high percentage looks. He was just throwing crosses and across the field, lobbing it up there. We're just like, where is this defense coming from? And the pass rush hasn't quite met that expectation. So you know, Green Bay, they've had a pretty favorable schedule so far, and I, I expected more from them. And uh, you know, the Tampa Bay game, okay, credit to them. That was that was a pretty solid performance. But I just think we got to see more offensively. And I want and to considering all they invested in the defense. This should be a borderline top five unit. They're not playing that level. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. 
I'm going to push back a little bit on the Packers defense seems to make stops when they do need to make stops, though, like timely stops. And when the Patriots went up in, in the fourth quarter, they were able to get off the field. And to me, that's, that's what you want in a defense. And that's what you want in a defense in which you've invested first-round pick after first-round pick, and you're paying big money to a lot of guys on defense. That's what you want while the offense is trying to find their footing because we love the running game. You're going to need to air it out at some point. And I don't like that stat that you said about him throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage because that, that's not the Rodgers that I love. I, I want gunslinger. I want, and I know he's he's such a weird case study. And I, I mean weird in the nicest way possible and in a positive way because he does take shots and chances and he does put balls in certain spots where you're like, holy shit, how do he complete that? And he doesn't really turn the ball over. That's why him throwing the pick six was like, holy hell, what is happening? You know, but it yeah. was on him. You know, that was just, that pass was intercepted before it even left his hands. Like, no, nah, we can't do that one. So I think, and, there, I think and he's the, admitted publicly that he's not playing well either. Yeah. So I think he's well aware. No, nah, he holds him, himself accountable for sure. Before we get into the games of the week, you wanted to mention up a stat about running, right? Because you're, you're pro yeah. running back, running backs getting paid, bro. Listen, I just like variance. Like, we all love high-powered offenses that are throwing the ball, you know, 40, 50 times a game. But NFL, what makes the sport so great is the unpredictability. We want to see teams right. win in different ways. And with this past week, we had the Giants, yeah. the Falcons, the, <laughs> the, the, Eagle, the Eagles, the Raiders, the Titans. All these teams have more rushing yards than net passing yards. And it, think about that. Uh, that's pretty remarkable that those all those teams won games. Look at the Raiders, especially being a very good Denver defense. They want about the offense, but Denver, they ran all over at Denver defense. Josh Jacobs, one of the most underappreciated players in the league. But I just think it's cool that, you know, I bet you've talking ad nauseum about how awesome Saquon looks. So it just it's just cool seeing these teams like they kind of realize either the quarterback limitations or the overall matchup. And it's just like you know, we could run the ball 30, 35 times, control the clock and just produce 10, 15 yard plays. And saw with Tennessee, they got back to their rhythm with Derrick Henry. Talked about the Falcons, Giants, they pretty much know Saquon is their offense. And it's just like, let's do it. And then uh, Raiders in a must win situation, they made it happen. So, and then the Eagles, man, their versatility, you know, they have the best offense line of the league. And Miles Sanders, he has that patience and vision as a runner. He was booming. So I think it's cool seeing these teams in, uh, I think, a little bit difficult circumstances because we do some of those games were on the East Coast, and we all know about the you know the hurricane kind of affected some of those games. Look, the Giants game, look, the Eagles game. So um, that ability is key. So kudos to these teams bringing back their running game and showing they're still valuing it. Can I give you a take about the running backs that I think you'll enjoy? And I'm definitely going to clip when I say this. Okay. Offensive player of the year this year is going to be a running back. Saquon? Chubb? One of them two. Ooh. You could get both of them at 15 to 1 odds right now still in some places. Uh-huh. I mean, who's having better off season, offensive seasons than them two right now? I mean, if Cooper Cupcakes can target 19 times a game, <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah, know yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> Especially with no one else catching passes for them too. Like, yeah, you might be I onto mean, something. But, but it's, yeah, you know, he won it. Cooper Cup won it last year. And True. I, th- yeah. I think 
it's going to be hard for him to do what he did last year because this has never happened before, right? It's the first time that we saw a season like that for a wide receiver where he fell short of like, you know, like one more half of football, he breaks all the records, like the catch record, the yardage record, he breaks all those mm-hmm. records, right? So I think to me, man, if these guys stay healthy, in particular, Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley, I think you're looking at the two, the the winners of Offensive Player of the Year. They're not going to win MVP because we know that. Uh, so Offensive yeah, Player that. of the Year, why not Why not do that and give it to the running backs? Mm-hmm. Especially where yeah. Justin Jefferson, like he was my pick coming in and he's had two monster games and then two games where, not because of him, they just couldn't get on the ball. It, I think right now it's I would I would personally think that it's it's Chubb or or Saquon and and speaking of Chubb I think that segues nicely into one of the games that we're gonna highlight and it's the Chargers and the Browns this week, Alan. If you remember, it was around this time last year where these two teams played each other, and they had that wild comeback that the Chargers they were playing in SoFi, in LA. Now they're gonna be playing in Cleveland. Cleveland is the underdog. They're a three point underdog right now. And the Chargers bounced back last week, beating the Houston Texans. And I think what I'm looking at for this game is this is something that could come down to playoff seeding later in the year. Like, I think both of these teams are going to be playoff candidates. They're going to be in the mix. And these head-to-heads are going to mean something. So from a from a future outlook and from a how important this game is. It's in your conference. It's two teams that are going to be going, I would say, for wild card positioning based on how the rest of the division looks like. And I know Cleveland right now, they're at top of the division. Well, they're tied for for the top of the division. But, you know, you still have that that little apple that's dangling, which is Deshaun Watson. And what I mean by that is with the football standpoint of the Deshaun Watson stuff, him coming back. I think this game is fascinating because it's also... This is the kind of team the Chargers don't want to play, Allen. A team that's going to run it down your throat and just ball possession the whole time. Yeah, it's a problem for them because they haven't really improved when it comes to stopping the run. We saw Damian Pierce break open a couple of big runs, including a 75-yarder last week. And He's a dirty lamb, baby. Delaire. Yeah, they, <laughs> Delaire had that big run Thursday night. Just, ah, for all their investment, it's just at, the, at some point, I'm starting to question Brandon Staley. Like, I know he had that great run with the Rams, but it's just, they just always get gashed. And it just seems like the players don't know their fits. They get at the point of attack, they get outmatched. Like, it's just at some point, this defense has put up the expectation. I know they lost Joy Bosa, which is devastating. JC Jackson doesn't look quite right since the knee surgery. It's just, ah, oh, man, they're, they're, we hype them up too much and it just happens every single year. And like, like we talked about this matchup, like, this is not what they want because you know the Browns' identity. Kevin Stefanski, one of the better play players in the league, he knows how to attack this defense. Oof, I, I fear for them. But then again, on the other side of the ball, like the Browns just allowed 202 rushing yards to the Falcons. And I know the Chargers don't have a mauling offensive line, but the Chargers are going to be able to have Miles Garrett. I think Clowney is likely going to be out, and they don't have much on the interior. So. Crazy enough, you know, we just talked about the running game, but I think whoever runs the ball better probably wins this game. Well, I think you're being a little too harsh on them with the running yards last week because they didn't have two of their guys. So right, no, I, but but they're still not going to this week. Right. Well, like, Miles Garrett, Garrett is out two to four weeks. Yeah, I saw him practicing today. Huh. 
Oh, yeah, wow. he took okay, the well. field. Yeah, I saw a headline and it said nine days after his car accident, he was out there. Now, now I don't know if it was walkthroughs or what it was exactly, but I did notice that he, he was out there. He was holding his helmet. So we'll definitely have to look into that. But one thing that I'm really worried about for the charges moving forward, man, is the the health of Keenan Allen. I think now he's he's north of 30. He's been a guy who he ha- he's not so much injury prone. He gets a stigma of being injury prone because he suffered the torn ACL and then he had that spleen thing going on a couple of years ago. But he's been a guy who's been pretty reliable. But now you yeah. tweak a hamstring and that's just going to linger the rest of the year. And especially for a guy like him out the slot, fast twitch muscles, trying to get open. I'd be a little concerned about that because he's so reliable for the first downs on third down for being a guy who just has amazing chemistry with Justin Herbert. And if it wasn't for the game that he had last week, I'd be asking you, where is Austin Eckler? Like, what's been going on with him? Yeah. But he he got it going on the ground against Houston. How do you think this game plays out, though? Who you got? Oof, this is a true 50-50 because yeah. I, I think both teams are just true enigmas. Uh, I'm going to go with Cleveland, though. I'm going to believe in their coaching. I'm going to believe in the running game. And I do think something that gets built overlooked – Browns have excellent secondary. Like Denzel Ward can match up with Mike Williams. I love John Johnson, Grant Delpit. Like they got ball hawks back there for all their issues up front. They have ball hawks back there, so it's like I I can see the Chargers struggling to move the ball a little bit, while the Browns at least they have the recipe to move the ball around. They use play action better than almost anyone in the league. David Joku just starting to get him going. I'm just not. I have like there's little to be thrilled about the Chargers at the moment outside the quarterback play and a couple stars on the defense. It's just it's, it's a frustrating watch with the Chargers right now. I don't know their identity. I'm questioning their coaching with Lombardi and Staley. So I'm going to trust the Browns. It, it's hard to disagree with that, man. I There's something Staley, like, you're just wasting time with him, I think, man. For you to be a defensive wow. specialist. Man, that's strong. <laughs> dude, think about it, right? Like, hasn't his, hasn't the aura around him faded the most of any of these coaches that have become a head coach in the last year or two. Like, he came in, oh, coach of the year. Yeah. He's he's the next guy, the McVay tree. And now it's, you're seeing this stuff and nothing has really improved much. And he captured everyone's hearts going for it on fourth down. You know how, yeah, it got me bricked up because I love going for it on yeah. fourth down. I love going for it for, on two-point conversions when I have a guy like Justin Herbert. So to me, at this point, it's I, I think you're just holding on to dead weight right now with him. Wow. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I think Joe Lombardi offense coordinator is dead weight. You know, Justin Herbert's 31st in the league in average depth of target. It's like him and Kyler Murray. Like, they're just throwing it in the short intermediaries. They're rarely taking shots downfield. You have a quarterback who's superhuman. Like, what is holding you back at this point? So I do think... At some point, they got to replace off its coordinator, and then we'll see with Staley. But I'm with you. Like, there's literally be thrilled about right now. But who are you picking? Man, you know what it comes down to, bro? I just can't. Guy. Well, but in this matchup, too, like Brissett, Brissett and Herbert, uh, I think there's a, like, it's a three point line right now. And I think that's a mistake because I think the quarterbacks alone is such a n- massive, massive difference. But then you have the, the trenches, which is going to be super concerning, right? Especially if Miles Garrett mm-hmm. comes now with 
no Slater out for the year, and you got Clowney opposite of that if he was to come back. And and the Brown, you know what the Browns are going to do. They're going to give it to Nick Chubb 25, 30 times, who they would like to, and then you got Kareem Hunt. And then even Amari Cooper is making some plays, Peoples Jones and the tight end, and Joku, he's playing pretty well. But I'm really, I'm going to go with the Chargers just because I think the quarterback matchup is, it's going to come down to like a third and eight, third and seven. And who do you trust to convert it more? Got to be Herbert. So I'm I'm going to go with the no Chargers. Debate. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I want to pivot to the other LA team because personally, I'm not that excited about watching this game, though I think the most fascinating matchup of the weekend is the D-line for the Cowboys against the O-line for the Rams because this Rams offensive line, Allen, boy, is it bad. And now you got the pass rush from the Cowboys coming in the best pass rush in the league right now on all metrics, whether it comes to sacks or QB hits and pressures. Man, this could be a long day for Stafford in this offense, who already is having long days. Yeah, we're really going to see what Sean McVay is made of. Like, we kind of know what the Rams' offense is, but what can McVay do from a schematic standpoint? You know, I know he likes throwing a lot of screens, a lot of play actions, a lot of naked bootlegs, but, oh, man, how do you protect it? Because... Uh, ironically enough, years ago, Dan Quinn was one of the first coaches to really get to Sean McVay's offense. Like in that Falcons Rams playoff game, like that, like McVay took the lead by storing to the 17. That wild card weekend, Quinn's defense kind of shut him down. So Dan Quinn does have experience, and I think Dan Quinn's done a fantastic job them defensively. Like, you know, Dallas has really responded from adversity really well. Like, you know, neither of us were high on them going into the year, but. They're slowly getting better defensively. They're getting contributions elsewhere. Like I've seen Dante Fowler make more plays in four weeks with the Cowboys than two <laughs> years with the Falcons. Like it's ridiculous. And then obviously you saw Demarcus Lawrence what he did against the Giants. And to me, I think another giant cool killer by the way, giant killer, giant killer. Anytime too. he plays the Giants, dude. The year before he got paid, he had like six sacks against the Giants in one game. Not one game in the two games. It was like yo. His agent is probably presenting the Giants film. Like, dude, this is a $20 million at the end. And he, he owes some money to, like, Eric Flowers and those guys. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a strong take, but I think this game also features two of the most terrifying dominant defensive players in the league. I think I would put Michael Parsons as number two behind Aaron Donald. No, 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 not anymore. I think, I think, it's, I think Parsons has surpassed him, yeah. Parsons can beat you in so many more ways. He can cover running backs out the backfield. He could blitz standing up. He could put his hand in the ground. Like, this dude is the best offensive player in football right now. He surpassed Aaron Donald for oh, me. Oh, wow. And I don't, surpassed Donald. See, yeah. I thought you were going to be concerned about TJ Watt and Garrett, but you think he even surpassed Donald. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, TJ Watt is TJ Watt's the best pass rusher in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, purely like, yo, it's third and eight. I need someone to get a sack. I'm taking TJ Watt. But I've, if you want a game wrecker right now in football, it's is number 11 on the Cowboys. And I, yeah. I personally, like, I would argue hard against that because I think this dude is, we throw the word generational around often, but this guy is that in every sense of the word. I thought he pretty much won them that game against Cincinnati. He was sending Lyle Collins to the turf. He was drawing penalties. He was covering. Like, it's just to have this type of player that 
you can build your defense around. It's scary. And wow, that Cowboys defense, they've really done I, I told you about Anthony Barr. He's another timely signing that's proving to be a difference maker. Like, you know, they don't have to bank on Leighton Vanders that much anymore. Obviously, Jalen Smith's out there. Like, they finally got a linebacker who they could depend on, too. And, dude, what about with, with Parsons also? I think the craziest thing for him, like I mentioned, is the versatility for sure. But you mentioned the Bengals game, him being a game record. I know they lost to Tampa Bay, but he had three stops in the red zone because of him that they settled for field goals. Yeah. Like that first half was That's close. Been... Yeah, that first half was close because of him. Like If he's not Ooh. on the field, they score touchdowns, everyone's turning off that Sunday night football game. Like he's, he's the best defensive player in football right now. And I wish like two weeks ago, he was like plus 600 to win defensive player of the year. Now he's the favorite. He's two to one. So everyone's agreeing with my take from a betting standpoint. But man, the whole the whole total package. And if you're Matthew Stafford in this offense, who it's basically now, it's only Cooper Cup. At least last year towards the tail end, second half of the year and in the playoffs, you have to worry about Odell also. What happened to Allen Robinson? I just think they got to find a way to use him. Like at this point, because he has no deep speed. Like he runs these routes, you can just tell he's not burning anymore at this point. At this point, he's just someone that is a good route runner and you just kind of got to use him in the short intermediaries. But here's the problem Stafford always looks at cut area, so like automatically. And you have also Higby getting like six to seven targets games. So I think Alan Robinson, he might be like the most expensive decoy ever. Dude, I was so high on him coming into the year. Maybe, maybe I gave him the kiss of death. I don't know. But I was saying double-digit touchdowns. I think he could be a 1,200-yard receiver because it was going to be hard for Cup to do what he did last year. It's just it's just difficult, right? Because now you'd probably expect teams to be able to key him more or to bring more attention to it, though he just killed San Francisco on Monday Night Football again. But like you mentioned, 19 targets. But Allen Robinson, best offense he's been in in his career best quarterback situation he's been in. He's not asked to be the number one wide receiver. And he's like, I'm, I'm thinking about dropping him in some leagues. Well, I'm in only one league and I have him. But I'm thinking yeah, like, too. dude, this guy is taking up a roster spot. Like I haven't started in the last two weeks. And even the week, I think the week he had like 11 points, I didn't start him either. Like I'm just not awesome. confident. Yeah, it's crazy because he actually roasted A.J. Terrell on a goal line fade. See, they, they only target Allen Robinson on goal line fades, oddly enough, because he has such a good release at the line of scrimmage. It's just, uh, I, I think, the lack of protection. But ultimately, the Rams desperately need a deep threat. Like, when Odell is healthy, they need to get him in there immediately because I don't know what Van Jefferson's health status is, but that offense has just no explosiveness right now. And there's a stat where it comes to big plays, uh, runs of 10 or more or Passing or passes of 20 yards or more, the Rams are dead last. It's actually the Bengals and the Rams, crazy. The two Super Bowl teams are, have the fewest explosive plays in the league right now. You never would have guessed that, too. Maybe, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe you would guess the Rams if you had to pick one of the two. But, <laughs> wow, yeah, that's pretty alarming, man. And it also kind of shows you how much bad offense line play can affect you. Yeah. Who you got yeah. in this game? We haven't really, we, we haven't really so much uh, any thoughts on the Cowboys offense. You know, Cooper Rush, we give him any credit here. I mean, look, let's let's also I remember last year I kept telling you from like the halfway point, like, yo, I can't wait to bet against the Cowboys, right? I've had a mm. I've had a pretty good grasp on what to make of Dallas. 
I love what Cooper Rush is doing. He's doing what they're asking him to do. Keep the shit afloat until that comes. Alan, they're not exactly playing the most vicious defenses or the yeah, most vicious okay. offenses, right? Like, even, even if you go to the Bengals game, it's a makeshift offensive line for Cincinnati. That's the second time they all play together. I think their offensive line has played better the last two weeks, and it's only going to get better with all these additions that they made. But they played the Giants, Washington, and the Bengals offensive lines. Tampa Bay, it was, it was Parsons that was running wild. Outside of that, it wasn't much else that was making noise. So yeah, I want to see them now going into L.A. Uh, might be a 50-50 crowd. There's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans there, especially in Los Angeles. But I think to me, I don't want to call them a fraud because I think I'm, I'm shocked that they're 3-1, and one, especially without Dak. But to me, I think we just need to chill a little bit. The, the running game will only get better when, when Zeke is no longer playing with them. Because it is just like, and more and more people are, are tweeting the things I was saying in 2019 and in 2020. Like the offense, the eye test. Forget your analytics. I don't care about your yards per carry. Sometimes the eyes don't lie, right? The eyes don't lie, Chico. Isn't that from Scarface, Allen? And just oh. watching, watching the games... Pollard with the same offense, same offensive line, is just way more explosive and way more productive. So to me, their offense is their offense is kind of whatever, right? And Cooper Rush is just doing what he has to do. So that's how I feel about their offense. But to me, this game, it's it's a bigger game for the Rams. Coming off a loss, prime time, everybody is pretty, not soured, but they're kind of turned off by you. I heard some commentary stuff about like, oh, is, was it a fluke last year that they won the Super Bowl? It's like, nah, man, they were one of the best teams in the league and they won the Super Bowl. Like, let's not get it twisted. But to me, I think it's a bigger game for the Rams and I am leaning towards the Rams winning this game. Okay. I'm going with the Cowboys. I just, I'm not. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'd say, I just think it's a mismatch right now. As much as I don't want to trust Michael yeah. McCarthy, I just, I think, Cooper rushes and turn the ball over. Um, the Rams just seem no stability offensively. Now I don't even think their defense is that fearsome. I think we're starting to see, you know, I know you love FM picks, but uh, they can sure use some picks on both offensive line and defense line. They just don't look right in the trenches, and it's going to come back to haunt them. It is currently coming back to haunt them. So I'm, I'm not confident about it, but I'm going to go Dallas. And uh, I definitely also want to credit, I think Trayvon Diggs having a sensational season. He's finally becoming more disciplined. Hasn't allowed a catch over 20 yards. Shut down Terry McLaurin last week. You know, I want to see him, what he can do against Cup. That should be a hell of a matchup. Well, he's playing He's playing corner better than he did last year. Last year, he just had all those interceptions, which kind of had people saying, oh, he's the best DB in the league. And it's like, not really, man. He gave up like 1,000 yards last year. Dude, dude was getting yeah. cooked, too. But he was making plays also. So I'm on the Rams. I think the Rams, I trust McVay and the Rams' pedigree to bounce back in this spot though they are they are a team right now that is reeling in the places that matter most alan the game um i think it's the game of the week honestly and it's two teams in the afc north we got the bengals going to play the ravens and alan you know there's not many people that love revenge games and Games in which you circle, right? This is a game that I think all Ravens fans, all Ravens players, they circled. Because last year, the Bengals didn't beat them, Alan. 
They beat the shit out of them last year. Twice. Got humiliated. They got yeah. embarrassed. And guess, guess what started happening in uh, Cincinnati? They started yapping. And rightfully so. They put up 41 points on them. Not once. Twice. It was the... This was the matchup that put Jamar Chase first on the map where he had that 200-yard game that first time that they played each other. And then this is the same matchup when people were like, yo, the Bengals are for real, bro. Like, this is... To, to do what you did to Baltimore, yeah, maybe the first time was a little fluky. We didn't know what this rookie wide receiver was going to be. We didn't know Joe Burrow was going to bounce back the way he did. But that second one, bro, remember they beat the Chiefs and the Ravens like yeah. maybe back-to-back or twice in, 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 in a three-week stretch. It was a coming-out party. And then they were talking like, yo, it goes through us now, AFC North, with a cream of the crop. And Lamar and them are like, all right, I bet. Y'all go learn. And they're playing this game Sunday night in Baltimore. It's a three-point line. Ravens are bringing out the all-black units, the all-black uniforms. It's going to be a banger, bro. Tell me, tell me where you're at with this game and how you feel about everything that I mentioned about it. The hype is up for there. Just both these teams are so mysterious right now. Like They're both not quite firing all cylinders, but you're encouraged enough where it's just like, okay, we kind of know they're going to be playoff teams. I know Cincinnati, the offense line issues, defense kind of holding up, but not really making much improvements. But I just... I want to see more from Sam. Mainly Zach. Zach Taylor is just still frustrating as ever. Like, I, I want to see this offense let loose. I know the offense line is an issue, but it just it just seems like they're not getting Chase involved as much as they should. Because to me, Chase, top three, top five wide receiver, and we know how good T. Higgins is, but just the lack of explosive plays at Chase, something's got to give. And I think you watched that tape against Miami. I wonder what they could do or they could take from that to go against this Ravens secondary because I think one of the bigger disappoints this year has to be the Ravens secondary. I think a lot of people had high expectations for them. Invest a lot. Marcus Williams, Marcus Pierce coming back. They have Marlon Humphrey. It's just, they're getting lit up right now. So this is a matchup where it's just like, man, we, we got to see the Cincinnati pass game going. Like, let's, let's see those 30, 40 yard plays. Well, from a Ravens standpoint, just like at some point, the secondary has got to get on track because. It was embarrassing against Miami, and I thought they got lit up against New England too. So it's it's a fascinating one. I take a lot to prove for both teams. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, man. Because you gotta, it was it's very concerning what's happened to Baltimore and their two losses, because those two losses are two losses that the Ravens historically don't suffer. You want to play with a big lead if you're the Ravens because of how your offensive scheme is and how deadly Lamar is running the ball and the running backs and just for you to blow those leads is super alarming. And if it happened once, it's like, cool, man, you know, shit happens, right? Like what happened with Miami shit happens. However, when it happens again and you're at home in both of those meetings, it's, it's a little concerning. So I think Baltimore needs to fix that up. And you're right. Like the secondary was such a bright spot, not bright spot, but it was supposed to be a strength of the team moving into this year, especially with getting all their, so a lot of their guys back. But like Kyle Hamilton, he hasn't really done anything. And he was all, of course he was going to go to the Ravens. He hasn't, it's been kind of, been kind of mid if that, and that might be polite too. To me, it comes down to, I think Lamar Jackson 
and the Ravens are going to be fired up for this game. It's prime time. They're at home. And they need to put their foot down against the Bengals to reestablish dominance in that division. And also, it's your third home game now, bro. You can't, you can't afford to be losing these games at home, especially when you're Baltimore, who's been so dominant at home too. So I personally think that this is a classic we're going to remind you who we are kind of game from Lamar and the Ravens. And I personally think it's a double-digit win for Baltimore. Aren't you concerned potentially no Bateman? I know he's dealing with a mild foot sprain. Yeah, definitely, because I feel like he's emerged as their top target. Obviously, Mark Andrews is their number one, like, complete receiver, but he's a tight end also. And Bateman's been playing pretty well, man. They have some really good chemistry, and there's not much behind him that I trust. So he's very similar to how I feel about Michael Pittman, where I feel like Michael Pittman is the class of that wide receiver room. And then after that, it's very, very rough on the eyes and in the stat sheets. So, yeah, it's going to be concerning. But I think at home with the running game, they got Dobbins going a little bit last week, and that was nice to see for a guy that suffered an injury like he did and him coming back. I, I think the defense is going to step up more so than the offense is, and it's going to be a... They know what Chase did to them last year, bro. They're coming for revenge. Uh-huh. I'm surprised very definitively picking the Ravens here because, like, I don't know, the Ravens, they, they're pretty much banking on their secondary and Blitzy because they can't get pressure with their front four. Like, they just got Jason Pierre-Paul at desperation. So they're not really getting much. I like just saw the Bouquet, you know, the, the nose tackle. But besides that, they're, they don't have much juice up front. Like it just, it's weird what the Ravens are. They're not running the ball as well outside of Lamar. It just seems like kind of like the Rams are banking on their stars to like win them games. Yeah. You know, and, and as well as they are a coach, like I'm just, I'm kind of over Greg Roman as a play caller. Like I wish they got rid of him a few years ago because he just cannot construct the passing game. Phenomenal with the running game, but cannot. Like, I just think Lamar is kind of in superhero mode. But, you know, I'm, I am with you, though. Like, if we're picking, I'm picking the Ravens just purely off not really trusting Cincinnati. And Lamar has these games where he goes superhero mode. And I just think Bengals, they're kind of slow defensively. And the Ravens are going to exploit that. So you got the Bengals? No, I'm one of the Ravens. Oh, you are. Oh, but you're saying, like, yeah. me definitive with the blowout, right? Yeah, I, I think the Ravens will win, but it's going to be kind of a little ugly. I think it's going to be competitive, but I don't think it's going to be like a shootout. I think these teams are going to show up there. New York team has been running the ball very well. God, watching the Bengals try to run the ball last Thursday night. Oh, yeah. God, I want to put my head through a wall watching. <laughs> like, dude, they couldn't do anything. And, like, the Ravens haven't been much better outside of Lamar. So, like, I'm excited about this game due to rivalry, but I'm not thrilled with either team at the moment. But, you know, I do think both these teams have a lot to prove, which is why it raises the stakes. Yeah, man, we got spoiled with those uh, first two Thursday night football games, and then it's been it's been kind of wacky. Uh, yeah. This tomorrow, well, today, if you're listening to the show, it's not a game I'm excited about. And the next week, I think is Chicago Washington. So uh, we're we're back to peak Thursday night football. Peak Thursday like night Amazon, football. Amazon, yep. like we gave you a few to start the season, but now you know we're just we're gonna give you the classics. We yeah, Jaguars Titans are coming soon, probably. Yeah. Hey, Alan, it was good to see you, man. Good to chop it up with you. I'm excited to have you back on and doing this. Uh, glad you're doing well. Glad your Falcons are doing well because then I know your content is, you're more inspired to do it because as someone that once, I used to have to shoot videos, dude, 
for this company. And it was covering the Knicks when Porzingis got hurt. And then it was covering the Giants, like the year they took Evan Ingram in the draft. And it's, it's, it sucks when your team is winning three games a year for you to come out and be like, ha, 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 it's awesome. Nah, it's not like that. So yeah. it's, uh, a, it's a grind, man. It's a yeah. grind. Tell yeah. the people where they can find yeah. you, dude. Alan Sturk, A-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. I just wrote this uh, huge piece on just Arthur Smith's vision finally coming to light of how the past year and a half he's been building the Falcons roster. Now, it really came together against Cleveland. It was a special win for the organization. So, um, And also, I just gave a brief preview. Like The Falcons' next three games are Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Cincinnati. So they're, they, got some, they got some big litmus tests. So it, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. And I think we, we might be talking about the Falcons a little bit more on this pod compared to what we've been doing the past three years at Nick Deus 10 is where you can find me at veterans minimum is where you can find everything for the show veteransminimum.com enjoy week five and we will be back with some VM next week later legends